Showtime Sports presents Showtime Boxing with Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney. Welcome to another edition of Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney with my co-host Eric Raskin. I am Kieran Mulvaney and this is a special Davis Garcia Fight Week podcast. Uh, this is just the first of several that we're actually going to be bringing to you between now and Saturday night, and then one more after the fight on Saturday night. Uh, we're going to be spending a couple of days previewing uh, the big pay-per-view main event, and indeed, the other fights on the card. Uh, we've got plenty of people to talk to. Uh, we'll uh, let you know who we've got coming up in the next over the next hour or so, but first... We have just come out of the final pre-fight press conference. Uh, plenty uh, of action and a little bit of spikiness there on the stage. Uh, we'll be talking to some of those involved soon. But Eric, uh, you had some thoughts and some notes about what we saw at that final press conference. Yeah, I jotted down a, a few things that stood out to me. First note, uh, we have an upset already in fight week. Javante Davis, totally on time. Didn't, yeah. didn't hold things up one <laughs> yep. bit. Um, one thing I enjoyed uh, during the undercard uh, fighters discussion, Gabe Rosado noting that his mother is here and saying, yeah. I got to show out for my mom. <laughs> yep. That's cool. Um, Kieran, do you know uh, how they say lucky punch in Russian? <laughs> As a matter of fact, I do. Lucky punch. <laughs> yes, we learned that during some translating for Beck the Bully. Um, I think my favorite uh, undercard fighter, the guy I'm uh, rooting for, even if we're not supposed to root, uh, Yamaguchi Falcao, because he has some gray hair. My guy. <laughs> Can we talk about Javante uh, Davis's hat? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> what did it there say, are, there Kieran? Are, there are many things in life, perhaps, that Javante Davis loves. We don't know what all of them are, <laughs> but we know that one of them is sex. How do we know this? <laughs> That's what he chose to put on the baseball cap that he wore to the final press conference. Yes, I heart sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take his word for it. I mean, no that's further fine. questions, Tank. Yep, yep. no, uh, no issues taken with that. It's a fine <laughs> thing to love. <laughs> um, Leonard Ellerby got real fired up, dropping some f bombs in uh, Oscar De La Hoya's direction. That was certainly a highlight. Another highlight: this quote from uh, from Coach Calvin, Javante's uh, trainer. I don't train him for knockouts, but I train him for punishment. <laughs> that was a good one. Um, there was some talk about the whole uh, winner-take-all mm. discussion of it all, which we know. That never yeah. happens. It comes up. Yeah. Nobody's ever doing it. But they dug they into really. it really. I mean, let's right. be fair. You right. Know? <laughs> right. Uh, but I did find it sort of interesting on that that, uh, that, that Ryan Garcia sort of turned it on its head a bit yeah. by, by saying, well, even if we agreed to that, when I knock you out, I'm I won't feel taking comfortable money. taking your, yep. your, your purse. So. Yep. And then uh, just sort of interesting, as they were doing their face-off at the end, uh, we, could, we were close enough to overhear them even without microphones, and Garcia telling Tank, you look drained, you look drained. That was sort of an interesting thing to hear. So those were the highlights for me. Yeah, definitely, and particularly as... I thought, honestly, looking at him, that Ryan looked a little drained. But, um, but you know, it is, uh, where are we? We uh, The weigh-in is at 3 p.m. Pacific on Friday, and whether they're drained or not, you know that they are counting down the minutes and the hours until they're able to step on, and more importantly, step off the scale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Start filling their body with various fluids and foods after yeah. that. Yeah. And the, the other thing I kind of picked up from it, you know, Ryan felt to me like he got a little bit of took him a little while to get going but once he really got going at that press conference he he sort of it was as if his buttons were pushed and he was and he you know definitely felt like he had points to make Javante looked like he was just 
having a good time and enjoying throwing some stuff Ryan's way and almost like he felt like, oh man, I can't believe I have to do this and I have to put up with you. I can't wait to show you what I'm going to do. And, 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 you know, Ryan was really, I felt really wanting to try to say, look, no, you stop underestimating me. You're going to be really surprised at what I, what I bring on Saturday night. Yeah, it was, I thought Brian Custer, who hosted it, did a, did a good job asking enough questions to draw something out of them because initially they both sort of took the I'll do my talking on Saturday night yeah but uh before you knew it they were doing their talking on Thursday afternoon (laughs) yeah yeah I think with with all the fights on the card Brian was doing a really good job of asking one guy something and the guy once as soon as the guy says well I hope it's going to be a knockout he just turns to the other guy and goes well he says he's going to knock you out (laughs) what are you going to say about that (laughs) yeah Uh, We have some great guests for you today. We're really excited. We've been uh, camped out in the media room. Uh, We are, we got some, we got a couple fighters, we got some promoters, we got a trainer. Uh, Coming up, we are going to have Jamal Charlo, who we haven't heard from for quite some time. We're going to be talking about what he's got coming up next, as well as the fight. Uh, Bob Santos, who was on the podcast quite recently, um, he is the co-trainer of David Morrell, he's in the co-main event, and we're going to chat to him. Uh, We do have both Leonard Ellaby uh, of Mayweather Promotions and Eric Gomez of Golden Boy Promotions, who uh, are going to give their different takes on the whole situation. But first, let's get some analysis from a guy who really does know how to break down fights, a guy who's been in the ring in a lot of big fights himself. It's the Showtime Boxing Podcast, so where better way to start than with Showtime, Sean Porter. All right, joining us now is former welterweight champ and probably the most in-demand color analyst in boxing broadcasting <laughs> right now, as well as the host of the Porterway podcast, Sean Porter. Thank you so much for joining us on the Showtime Boxing Podcast. In-demand, in love and life right now. Yeah. Man. Yeah. It, this is probably a really interesting statement, but I truly did have, I had a goal to become a commentator well before I had a goal to become a world champion. Did you? And the first time I became a world champion, it just wasn't even a goal. It was just boxing and doing it. The second time I went for it, of course, I made it a goal to become a WBC champion. But with the commentary and the analytical uh, work that I do, I've just always been drawn to it. Um, Watching football and watching boxing, of course. And I think I have, obviously, the unique perspective. I I used to listen to commentary for boxing. I'd be like, yo, why aren't they talking about the other guy? Mm. And I kind of bowed to myself. Like, I always make sure I talk about both. And so now people kind of, they've picked up on that. Like, hey, you're you're never one-sided. You talk about... You you talk about all of it, you know, mm-hmm. and so uh, when you talk about how good I am or how good I've gotten over the years, I, I love it. So it's easy to get better, good at something when you love it, you know. Right. So yeah. when you were a kid, did you like used to turn the volume down on the TV and do your own commentary? I never did that. I just I would uh, I would listen to the other guys, and and if I found them entertaining, I just would I would love listening to like a touchdown. You you hear the way they call that drive mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff, and then even in box and you will hear the way um, the fighter would break down what the fighter's doing mm. or not doing, you know, all that kind of stuff. I've just always been drawn to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so it sounds to me like you, uh, as a retired former fighter, like you're not missing boxing too much. You're pretty happy at this station in life. Right yeah, now. yeah. I mean, like this is a side of the ropes that I've kind of always wanted to be on anyway. Right. Right. And it's like now I'm kind of really enjoying boxing, <laughs> for the sake of words, you know. 
the the camp is 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 hard. It's grueling. I was just talking to another retired fighter, and he said, "Hey man, any thoughts to come?" I said, "No." He said, "Yeah." I said, and "You know how hard it is." He said, "Yeah, it's tough." You know. You look like you're keeping in shape though, just not fu- not I am. not the intensity of boxing. Training. Yeah, I mean, well, you see me on TV doing commentary. I'm I'm also have uh, I've also been inspired to to. Uh, get into the the acting world and get okay. into the movie industry for a long time so um was able to kind of make some bounds with that and still working on that so i gotta stay uh stay in shape and stay looking good you know yeah. <laughs> was that always the worst part i mean we always focus on the on the fights themselves but it was camp was you know you mentioned that was that always dragging yourself into camp and going through that was that camp was hard because it was every day mm. the the fight is one time You've, i've been in some hard fights mm. but it's one time and it's like it's all or nothing you mm-hmm. know so even in the in the days after when you're really sore it's kind of that it's that like grateful soreness like i'm I'm grateful that i'm sore right, right. now you know yeah right. i don't know this probably sounds weird come on like you you ever yeah. did like you know leg yeah, day like, you did some squats and the well, next no, day you're exactly. like you, feel you good know it's working like, yeah yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's like you know day a day or two after you know you did some work right. you know? okay you're yeah. like, i got punched in the head yeah. and i feel pretty good about it not that part <laughs> man i have definitely had like some like touch the face and it's like oh Ow, yeah. that hurts, yeah. you know but usually it was like the lower back and the legs and and the ass is just really really tired the arms are really really tired and but it's that pain where it's like you knew you did something that night mm-hmm. and especially you know with, with my fights having interviews and things like that for the performances that i've had it's like you know kind of you, you're licking the wounds but you're you're grateful for those wounds you know what's the worst you've heard after a fight um, you remember? I, I think um, it would. It usually takes me a, it w- or would take me a good four days to get over soreness after a fight. Mm. Um, I don't remember the source I've ever been. Could have been the source I've ever been. Possibly was Earl Spence. Mm. Um, I was really sore. My face was really sore after the uh, Andre Berto fight. We had a lot of head collisions in that right. fight. Um, but uh, and I was I remember after that fight, I mean, like exhausted immediately mm. after that fight with Andre Berto. Yeah, I cannot imagine. Like it's bad enough watching you guys like throw punches, but head clashes. I cannot even imagine the pain. I, I mean, it's of it's all of it, you know. And, yeah. and I t- I told my dad uh, we had a conversation about if I were to fight again. I said, Dad, like you got to understand, like yeah. It's one thing to get in there and throw the punches, but you still got somebody coming after you, you know, and I think that that's the part that people truly don't understand. You'd be really sore if you did defense the entire night because the the, the kind of um, energy and, you know, where your, your adrenaline goes, you know, you're moving at such a fast rate and doing so many different things. You know, you sore a couple of days after all of the whole body you know so i do not miss those days <laughs> is it true though what i've heard some commentators say uh, xboxers in particular that the punches to the head don't actually hurt in the moment in Only the moment is, is, so that's that's true you never, you've never <laughs> felt like the pain of a punch to the head but a body punch in the does moment. hurt you'll watch a fight he's like oh my god i know that hurt mm. that guy didn't feel it mm, between yeah. the adrenaline and also being so focused mm. You know, and 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 the guys, the, uh, the the fighters that think a lot, it's like I'll never forget. I got hit with uh, two right hooks in a row. Earl Spence hit me with a right hook, and then he hit me with another right hook, and instantly I was like, I'm not getting hit again with that right hook. Oh, okay. You like you got it. So much going on that yeah, you feel it, and but you know more so it alerts you to the adjustments you need to make so that it doesn't happen again. You know, 
but the day after <laughs> or the or the day after the day after you know yeah. yeah. All right. Let, let, let's start breaking down this fight. I really want to hear your insights yeah. on, on this matchup, and particularly the Javante Davis side. Yeah. Stature-wise, you can relate to him. You yeah. were usually looking up at taller guys. Yeah. Uh, it, it, how much of an issue might that be in this fight, Garcia's length for Javante? I saw, again, I'm sorry to cut you off, but I saw against Mario Barrios that the size seemed to make Tank Davis a little hesitant. And I think that the same thing is going to happen in this fight. Um, obviously you want to lean on your experience. So maybe that experience against Mario has gotten tank more comfortable with that size, but he's definitely going to see something a little different. And Ryan Garcia from a standpoint of the size, because Ryan's what five, nine, and he's got some long arms, you know, and he's going to be flashing a jab consistently, you know? So I think right off the bat right there, where we have the makeup of this beginning of this fight is going to be one fighter with a lot of speed, throwing all of that speed to kind of establish what he wants to happen through the night. And then the other side of that, you got Tane Davis, who more than likely could be a little hesitant because, you know, we saw how he reacted to the size of a bigger man once upon a time ago, you know. Yeah. I think this fight goes, this fight easily goes three rounds mm. because you got one fighter, Tane Davis, that starts a little slow. Likes to likes to analyze his fighters and see, see his opponents and see what his opponents wants to do. And then you got a Ryan Garcia who, even though he's flashy with a lot of speed, especially with that jab, he really doesn't throw it to land it. He more so just kind of throws it to show it and maybe establish his range and his distance, you know. So I, I think we got two rounds easily that are going to be a little slower just from because one guy has one pace that doesn't start fast and the other guy has a pace that doesn't really i'm not throwing the land in these first couple of rounds you know it, it's interesting because another uh fighter turned uh, analyst uh, tim bradley i don't know if you read his analysis but mm -hmm. he what he specifically said was he thinks if ryan garcia is going to win this fight he needs to do damage in the first two rounds and once it gets to the third it's all tank davis from there do you, yeah. do you see his perspective on that i understand his perspective because in a, in a lot of tanks fights not all of them but he starts to get going around the third round he will he will realistically throw 10 punches or less than the first round and then he'll realistically throw 10 to 15 punches in the second round and then he'll start to kind of push forward and say hey this is what i want to do this is we've got it figured out you know so i do agree that that uh ryan should start fast mm -hmm. and uh i think that ryan should start fast with no no intentions on turning down or turning back you know right. i think that if he starts fast keeps um himself on his front foot and keeps tank on his back foot tank is a really good counter puncher by the way mm -hmm. but to not allow tank to counter punch him but stay on his front foot would be a really good uh good uh good good move for for uh for ryan does ryan need to step into something a little bit early on you know, just really step forward put some weight behind a couple punches to not just be there and in tank's face in those first couple rounds but m make tank that little bit more hesitant about starting to come forward in round four i mean like i could that. be i could be all the way wrong about this but i think both fighters are really good on the front foot mm -hmm. but both go fighters are better on the back foot mm -hmm. i think both fighters are counter punchers by nature mm -hmm. and i think that even though you may want or think that Ryan's got to hit Tank to get respect, mm. I think the respect's going to be there. Okay. 
Um, and I think it's just going to be a matter of not really, like you said, like landing a hard punch early, but just landing the right punch at the right time. Okay. It could be a jab or it could be a right hand or it could be a hook. Not everything has to be landed to knock out and not everything has to be landed to hurt. But here's what you do know. You know that two guys that aren't used to getting hit a lot. Once you get hit, you take notice of it. Like I told you with with, right. with, uh, with Earl. Yeah. Earl hit me with two right hands, and I took notice of it. I'm like, all right, I can't get hit with that again, you know? Mm. And so just to get the attention is what we need, not necessarily to get respect or to get Tank to back up or be hesitant to come in. Just get him to notice that he's getting hit, you know? Mm. I think from, that's the first step. From Garcia's perspective, how concerned are you about his his defensive holes? The chin sometimes being up there, the hands, especially his left hand, sometimes being low. Yeah. How how concerned are you, or or does Joe Goosen button that up? Do you no, think? Joe's not going to button that up. Not not to say that Joe's not doesn't have the well, he doesn't have the ability to, and the reason he doesn't is because those are movements that are second nature to to Ryan uh, it's a, and and their natural move natural tendencies for a lot of fighters especially tall fighters they like to be upright they like to throw and kind of lean back at the same time let's look at the other side of that Tank Davis even though he is explosive he doesn't throw explosive punches what i mean by that is he doesn't he doesn't leap into shots he doesn't he doesn't um take big explosive movements to get those punches he waits for his for his opponent to get in line and then he throws you know and like he said on stage he's a really accurate fighter so he's not going to throw the punch if he doesn't feel like ryan's there other side of that ryan's throwing a punch and leaning back on it keeps him out of out of line of, of fire you know so i think there's certain things you'll say like hey ryan keeps his hands down or ryan keeps his head his chin up in the air cool but can the five six guy reach him you know, so and five six may be a little generous even for Javante. I'm yeah. trying to do the best I can. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, they were they were sniping back and forth up there on the stage as yeah. you as you expect. Yeah. One of the things that Javante said was, "Dude, you just don't have any fundamentals." Yeah, like and and I think perhaps some of the folks breaking this fight down really look at maybe Tank has those better fundamentals that he might be the the smarter more well-rounded more complete fighter in the ring do you agree with that yeah i think that that's what everyone's looking at when they say who wins this fight tank davis wins this fight they're looking at how structured he's been they look at how explosive he's been they look at um how he's been able to you know weather those storms come back in fights that he's been losing and then he doesn't just do it with just one punch it's usually combinations or a multitude of punches that sets up that big punch you know so yeah i think that um um, when you look at that, you will you will say that yes, fundal, from a fundamental standpoint, uh, Tank has it more together. Mm. But here's what you don't know is when the the uh, the uh, the the opponent isn't at your level. A lot of the things that you've been loose with, you've gotten away with, and you just kind of move on, and you've been loose with it. But mm. when you now have to tighten up certain things because of who you're getting in the ring with, that's enough to make you click mentally and start to sharpen some things and be a little more fundamentally sound. And I can't imagine. There's one thing that, to throw a jab with your hand in the air. That's kind of, that's kind of, it kind of is what it is. But here's another one. Jabbing and moving at the same time. Or throwing two punches and moving, not reaching with those shots. Shots. Those are things you can clean up, and those are things I would expect Joe to clean up getting in the ring with Tank Davis, you know? So ultimately, are, are you one of those people who's saying Javante Davis wins this fight, or are you I'm, on the I'm, fence about I'm, it? I'm extremely hesitant um, because my first thought is, is Ryan wins this fight. My second thought is, well, 
excuse me, my first thought is my first thought is Tank wins this fight, and then my second thought is well, Ryan's special, you know, and it's hard to be special, you know, on a special night, <laughs> you know. So <laughs> I don't know, man. I am, I told my guys on the, on the Portaway podcast, every po- podcast platform out there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I told my guys on the, on the podcast just early. I was like, yeah, I feel like I suck at what I do. I said, like, I every fight's fifty fifty in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. what am I losing it? Do I not know how to determine mm-hmm. who's gonna win a fight? But with this one, it's really hard, you know, because both guys have that killer punch. Uh, of course, we've seen that Tank has more killer instinct, but again, that's what special nights are for. When somebody overlooks your special, for you to just come out there and be special. Mm-hmm. It's some fights you kind of have a bit of a sense kind of early on how they're going. And other yeah. fights can switch back and forth. Do you think, yeah. from what you've been saying, do you feel like this fight's going to be a bit more of the latter? Like, we're not necessarily going to know early on? Well, no, uh, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, see, I suck. I told you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, this guy has no future in broadcasting. <laughs> it's like it's both. Because I do think that Ryan's going to try to control the range and the distance. But again, Ryan doesn't throw the land. He doesn't throw all of his jabs to land. So is he going to switch that up and throw jabs and step into him to land him? You know, um, we know that uh, Tank is okay with not winning the first round, the second round, the third round. Yeah. That we're kind of we're kind of used to that at this yeah. point. But let's look at Tank versus Roley Romero. And I told the guy sitting right next to me, "Hey, like, just calm down. Yeah, he's down three zero. So what? It's." It's only a matter of time mm-hmm. because he's that good. Mm-hmm. And I think the same thing that you will see, it, we could see two things. We could see Ryan in the lead early or we can see a fit, we can see three 50-50 rounds because Ryan's not stepping into anything. But here's the other side of that. If Ryan's ahead early because he's stepping into stuff, I think it's safe to say, hey, this fight could go like this for another 10 rounds. This mm-hmm. fight could go like this for another eight rounds. Mm-hmm. Because he's got the ability to control with that size, that speed, that power, and the list goes on. You know, so I honestly think that this is one time Tank cannot afford to get down on scorecards. All right, we started off talking about your broadcasting career. We should finish talking about your broadcasting <laughs> career with a, a very specific question. You've worked broadcast as a partner with our friend Brian Campbell. Yeah. Pure torture? Is that how you would describe working <laughs> with BC? You want, you want me to butcher uh, BC. Um, the fact of the matter is I can't wait to work with, with BC again. Okay. Uh, he's an ple- uh, absolute pleasure to work with. You guys know that. Yeah. You, you must be talking about Brian Custer. I've not had an opportunity to uh, work with Brian okay. Custer, uh, so okay. there's that. <laughs> yeah. all, the, yeah. all the BCs. Are yeah, all the BCs. There you go. We yeah, like but no, all. Brian Campbell's a... a He's a, he's dynamite. Yeah, right. can't wait to work with him again. All right. Well, yeah. Well, uh, thanks so much for uh, for joining us, Sean. Again, uh, let everyone know they can check out the Porter sure, Way yeah. wherever fine podcasts are made That's available. Right. That's yes. right. The Porter uh, Way podcast. <laughs> thanks for stopping by. Sean. You got it. Thank thanks you. So All right, we are joined now by the president of Golden Boy Promotions, Eric Gomez. Eric, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, the narrative surrounding the making of this fight has been a lot of Ryan Garcia wanted this fight, pushed to make this fight. The people around him, they weren't so sure that they wanted this fight for him. How much truth is there in that narrative in terms of how much he had to push you guys to make this fight happen? It's not true. Not true okay. at all. That's fake. <laughs> we've always wanted this fight. Mm-hmm. And we've been, we've been trying to communicate and get this fight together. Seems like a couple years now. Right. Uh, but it was, the, it was the right timing now. It was the right timing. We didn't agree with a lot of the terms. Right. We gave in. We gave him a lot of concessions to make the fight happen. 
That's how serious we were. But we wanted this fight. I mean, the notion that we didn't want to do this fight, we wanted to protect Ryan, not at all. But, not but, at all. It, it, I mean, Ryan's been ready for a big fight for a long time now. You know, we were trying to do a Teofimo fight, a uh, Lomachenko fight. I mean, he's ready now for a big fight. But these fights, these big fights, they take time to make. It's not easy. Mm. There's so many details that go into it. Yeah. There's so many things to negotiate. Um, everybody did their part. But most importantly, the both fighters wanted it. And this is a great learning lesson for everybody. Young fighters, champions, I don't care who you are. If you really want to fight, you go to your manager, your agent, your promoter, and you demand, this is what I want. Mm -hmm. And it'll happen. Mm -hmm. It'll happen. Because it starts with them. If they didn't want the fight, then there's excuses. and you know. But, so they wanted the fight. Mm -hmm. Of course we wanted the fight. I mean, that notion is it's something that they're peddling, but it's, it's fake. So it's more the concession part, maybe, that you wouldn't have conceded quite as much as Ryan insisted on conceding to make it happen. Of course. Okay. I mean, a lot of the terms we didn't agree with. Right. But we got it done. We got it done because Ryan really wanted to fight, and we said, "Okay, let's get it done. Then. Let's let's roll the dice." <laughs> right. What does that mean to you? You know, as a promoter, because obviously Oscar was someone who who fought everybody. He, like he didn't have to fight some of the fights. You know, he could have fought me and earned millions of dollars. Yeah. But and so I'm I'm curious when you've got a fighter who's like, "I really want this fight. Make me these big fights." How does that make you feel as promoters to think, "Oh my God, we've got this kid here who's." Soup, like already very popular he could also probably fight whoever he wanted and add another million Instagram followers and be even more popular but he wants a real fight so what does that mean for you as promoters? It makes our job easier it makes our job easier I mean just look at our track look at our track record <coughs> avoiding fights we don't do that we're not Floyd Mayweather we're Oscar <laughs> de la Hoya look who he fought he fought everybody you know he didn't dodge Margarito or he didn't dodge a lot of these other guys we put Canelo in with Mayweather when Canelo was like 18, 19 years old. I forgot how old it was. 20, I think he was. So the notion that we were trying to avoid this fight or we didn't want it, look at our track record. Look at what we do with our fighters. We love these fights. We, we follow Oscar's example when he was fighting. And Oscar instills that in all the fighters. Always want the best, want to challenge the best. There's only one, to be, there's only one way to be great. you got to challenge yourself. So again, you know, it makes it easier when these fighters want that, but it's something that we preach to our fighters. Always go out there and fight the best. Does it, is it any harder now to make some of these fights? Because as you said, there's a lot of stuff that people don't know about that goes on in the fine details of the contract. When stuff starts spilling out onto social media and fighters and people around them are yapping back and forth and doing little selective leaks. Does that make any of this harder, or are you guys able to just focus and, and get stuff done? There's, it's really a small group of people that are the, the decision makers, and stuff gets leaked out. I mean, you can't help it. You know, now, Nowadays with social media, it's like you know people hear things at the gym or they hear over here in a conversation, but they don't have the whole picture, you know? Again, the, this fight, in many ways, is a breakthrough because we, we set the tone. There's a blueprint now on how you can make this. And I want to I really commend, I want to commend The Zone. I want to commend Steven Espinosa at Showtime. They gave up concessions. They both worked hard. The Zone bent over backwards to make this happen. It's everybody working together, doing their part. We weren't going to get the perfect deal, we know that. But these fights, it's not about getting the perfect deal. It's about, you know, not being able to complain after. You know, getting it done, not being able to complain. And 
this is what you get. You get the perfect storm. Every fight is, of course, a risk-reward equation as you go into it, figuring out the risk and, and the reward. I want to get your thoughts on both sides of that, but start with the reward. If Ryan Garcia wins this fight, is he the biggest star in American boxing right now, instantly, overnight? Uh, look, that's our, you know, it depends on the person. Mm-hmm. You can argue that point. Uh, I know I know this much. That he'll be, a, a, you know, one of the elite fighters in, in our sport. Mm-hmm. You, can't, you can't take away from Tyson Fury what he's done. Mm-hmm. You can't take away from Canelo. I mean, Canelo's a legend. You know, we did a lot of big fights with him, great fights. Uh, you know, so to say that just one guy... Is going to be the face of boxing. No, it's preference. You know, do you like that style or not? Um, I think everybody does their part. But yes, will will he be in an elite group? Of course. Right. Mm-hmm. And 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 the risk side. If it doesn't go your way, if he takes a loss here, as long as let's say he's competitive but loses. I mean, we've all w- witnessed the sort of the 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 zero being put on a pedestal, and and this idea of losing your O being such a disaster. He's probably okay if he, for having taken this challenge. If it doesn't work out, it's not a career killer at all for Ryan Garcia. Not at all. Not at all. If you lose in big fights where everything's on the line, I think you become bigger and stronger and better. It happened to Oscar. Mm-hmm. fought everybody. You know, his losses didn't affect him. In fact, he became bigger after some of the losses. Uh, same with Canelo. Canelo lost to Mayweather, and look what he did after that. You know, right. he became a lot more known here in the U.S., more... You know, he got more visibility fighting Mayweather. The same thing can happen with Ryan. I mean, I think that automatically he's already bigger. Right. He hasn't even thrown a punch yet. And automatically his brand has come up and there's more value in what he's about and what he's doing. That's a great point. Just having your name on the marquee of a fight people are talking about as the biggest fight of 2023 so far puts you on another level, doesn't it? It does. It definitely does, yes. Is that something that you try to impress on your fighters that don't hold on to your O at the expense of everything else. Is that a bit of a hard lesson to teach some fighters? It is because it was, look, Oscar did it, Julio Cesar Chavez, even Tyson. I mean, you really look at all the greats. There was a change that happened when Mayweather came on and was protecting that O. That was very, very important to him, protecting that O. And in many cases, we didn't get the fights we wanted at the time we wanted them. Okay? Um, You know, he should have fought Pacquiao five years sooner. He, you know, he could have, I don't know. I mean, there's so many fights. But that's where, you know, it, it kind of changed in boxing because of Mayweather. But if you look at all the greats, even Muhammad Ali, people don't realize Muhammad Ali had, what, five, six losses? Right. He was still Muhammad Ali. People want to see good fights. People want to see the best challenge the best. You become better from it. You become more known. It's a win-win for everyone. Right. You give the fans what they want. And they'll love you. How confident are you that win or lose in this fight, we're going to see more of these elite young lightweights tangling with each other over the next few years? There's a lot to choose from in this division. Knock on wood. I I hope it's the start of something great because there's some great fighters, uh, great young fighters right around that weight class. Some great veterans. You know, Lomachenko has an important fight with Devin Haney. Right. You know, Teofimo's still there. He's still a pretty big name. I mean, there's so many different mixes and matches that we can make it's it's going to be exciting obviously although the matchup itself is great you want your guy to win how does ryan garcia win this fight Uh, we like our chances he's got all the qualities you want in a fighter to win a fight i think he's got the speed advantage the height definitely the length he's gonna have to fight a perfect fight 
because you can't let your guard down with Hank. I mean, one punch can end it. But vice versa, Ryan too. Ryan's got a le- you know he's got some lightning hands and he can punch with both hands. It makes for a great fight. It's going to be Ryan using his length and it's going to be Tank trying to get on the inside. Who's going to win that battle? Does he have to jump out to a lead early? Do you think Ryan, because like, Javante can start slow sometimes, does no. Ryan have to take advantage of that? I, I think I think that he's going to have some great opportunities to do some damage and hurt Tank early on. The longer the fight goes, maybe you got to favor Tank a little bit more. He's been the active fighter. He's fought a little more actively than than Ryan. Uh, but the key for this fight for Ryan is going to be the jab. If he can stick to the jab and make it effective, it's going to be a long night for, for Tank. A long night. So we'll see. All right, we will see indeed. Uh, Eric Gomez, thanks so much for joining us on, on the podcast, and best of luck on Saturday thank you night. Guys. Thank you for the support, and thank you for being here. All right, we are joined now by the CEO of Mayweather Promotions, my man, Leonard Ellaby. Welcome to the Showtime Boxing Podcast, buddy. Thank you for having me. Uh, Leonard, we have a lot of boxing stuff to talk about, but we got to start with the real headline here, the new look, the white beard. I love it. Santa Ellerby in the house. Thank you. Thank you. It's the, <laughs> it's the, as I call it, it's the switch-up game. Yes. You know, um, just blessed to be in this wonderful situation. Um, life, 2023, <laughs> embracing it all. Was there, there, was there something that something clicked in your head that was like, I'm, I'm ready to, to, let, to actually, let my true color show? Actually, it was my daughter. Okay. okay. You know, um, I hadn't shaved in probably like a week, mm-hmm. and um, she, she noticed it. And then she was like, Dad, you should just let your beard grow out. And I was like, okay. So a few more days, let it grow. And then I got it lined up. And then it was like, Dad, that looks awesome. <laughs> and I was like, don't change. Yes. I'm like, okay. Well, we, we, and, wel- we welcome you to we our do. club. We and do. and it's, um, it's, it's been definitely a uh, pleasant thing. You know, everybody's embraced it and got a lot of compliments. So, so you know, hey, I'm a rocket. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, so we watched you earlier at the press conference. You had some pointed words for Oscar De La Hoya. There's there's general sparks flying between the two camps here. Did did he did he get under your skin a little bit, Oscar? No, it's not about being under getting under my skin. It's just that he 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 took a couple shots and see this one thing we don't play over here. It's like yo, it's when it comes to to Al Floyd Tank, we not having it. We 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 not having it. That's how we get down over here. You know, it's like we're one family over here, and and it's like that was personal. You know, I I, I believe in you know just keeping things business. You know, and, and obviously speaking your mind. So he's done everything personally, um, even before we even made the deal. And so that's what I kind of want to talk about mm-hmm. is that all you got to do is pay attention. He done everything to take shots at Al Heyman. You know, saying all these disrespectful things. When we were trying to make a deal. So his whole objective was to break a deal. Because he never personally wanted this to happen. Because the outcome Saturday night, everyone's going to see why he never wanted this to happen. You know, and at the end of the day, I give the props to Ryan Garcia for making him do this. Mm -hmm. Ryan Garcia made him do this. Him and Tank, Ryan and Tank, the two fighters, they wanted this fight. This fight doesn't happen if Tank don't want this fight to happen because 
nobody's a he's not a mandatory or anything. So at the end of the day, B side can't offer the A side nothing. I made two offers to them at two different periods of time, and you know the first time you know they said they had plans and you know come back, and then you do it again. So they weren't ready for that to fight to happen at that particular time. You know, um, Eric Gomez, a gentleman, a guy that I respect. You know, he's been a good guy for many, many years, still is. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to Oscar, we, ne- we never have liked him and still don't like him. We'll do business, but we don't like that guy. It's like because he's, he's who he is. You know, um, I respect his accomplishments in the ring. He was a, not a good fighter. He was a great fighter, a Hall of Fame fighter. But business is business at the end of the day. Bro, you ain't taking no shots over here. Shooting no shots over here because it's coming back and it's coming back ten times. For he now he it's on and popping now, and he ain't gonna want to hear what I got to say. <laughs> Trust and believe that. You know it, it's it's like at the end of the day he started this and we are gonna finish it. We're gonna definitely finish it. It got a little spiky up there. Um, not just with you guys, but but between the two camps, between the fighters a little bit. We've all been around plenty of fights where fighters act confident, trainers act confident, and. Every so often, you're like, nah, this guy isn't just confident. He knows he's going to win. Like, he really feels like he's going to win. I'm getting that vibe from Calvin and, and, and Tank that they don't just feel that they're going to win, but they're going to show something on Saturday night. Well, as you heard Calvin, you know, the, the, the whole goal all along was to get this guy in the ring. You know, I know that firsthand, again, because I, set, I sent an offer to them, you know, a while ago. And um, Tank's been wanting to fight him, you know. And and I actually I actually saw Ryan in in two when Floyd fought Logan Paul two years ago, mm-hmm. and I told him I said, look, I said, offer's gonna come across your desk, and I said, it's gonna be life changing situation for life changing money. You're gonna have to make your promoter do this because he's not gonna want to do it. He don't want to do it. When, you know, the kid, he, he's very confident, meaning Garcia. Mm-hmm. He's very confident um, because that's what fighters are. But he's never faced anything like Tank Davis. He's never seen anything like that. And come Saturday night, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. See, I don't have to get up in there and fight. Mm-hmm. Floyd doesn't have to get up in there and fight. Oscar don't have to get up there and fight. The fighters got to get in there and fight. So at the end of the day, we'll be sitting ringside. And watching these two combatants go at it and show, Tank's going to show you why he's the best. He's definitely going to show you why he's the best. And send a clear message to the other guys that are out there. On, on a serious note uh, about Tank, he obviously has the sentencing looming a couple weeks after this fight. And we've been discussing, speculating. Is it on his mind at all? Is it a distraction? You've, you've been with him. Does it come up in camp? Is it something he's talking about and thinking about? Or it's just like, I'm getting through this fight and then I'll deal with that. We haven't had one discussion, one comment about anything. But that's why you have, you trust your team. Mm-hmm. The, and, and again, that part right there is out of your hands. You know, um, what he has been is focused on the job at hand come this Saturday night. And that's what matters. It's the biggest fight of both of their careers. And, again, the fans are the winners in this, this thing right here. That's why we had an um, immediate sellout because it's the hottest fight in boxing. And this is what it's all about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What does it say also? <clears throat> we, we actually had our Eric on earlier and, I, and asked him this. And, 
What does it say <clears throat> as a lesson to young fighters? You've got two guys here. They, like you said, neither of them had to take this fight. They're both unbeaten. They could protect their record, but they wanted it. And they're kind of elevating each other just by having this fight. Is this kind of the kind of example you want to have to your fighters, your young fighters? Like, don't be afraid. Bet on yourself. Take the big fights. This is what you want. Make the fans happy because it's going to work for you in the end, win or lose. Without a doubt. Well, there's no such thing as losing over here. You know, um, both of these guys have worked hard their entire career to put them in, put themselves in this situation to fight in the biggest fight in all of boxing. And, and again, this is a mega, mega fight. You know, um, fighting in the main event, headlining in Las Vegas. Two young, undefeated fighters in the prime of their career. It gets no better than that. And I had to think back. When was the last time that boxing has had a fight of this magnitude, you know, where the two young guys landed all on the line with everything to lose? Yeah. Mm. Everything to lose. Mm. Yeah, it just doesn't happen that often. No, it, it really doesn't. So we're blessed to be, to be able to be in this situation to deliver the fans the biggest fight in all of boxing. And so, so final thing, Leonard, quickly. Uh, I'm not going to ask you who you're picking to win. Obviously, we know who that is. But uh, I, the odds boards have the over-under on rounds at seven and a half. Is it going to happen before that, or is it going to happen after that? Well, one thing I do know, Ryan Garcia is getting knocked out, whether it's the first round or the 12th round. He won't see the end of the fight. Right. I can guarantee you that. Okay. All right. Well, thanks so much for stopping by, Leonard. Thank you from the entire boxing community for doing your part to make this fight. We're looking forward to it, and good luck on Saturday night. Thank you. We had our next guest on just a few weeks ago, but that was just like the appetizer. That was over Zoom, and now he's here with us in person. Pop Santos, thank you so very much for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here. It's great to be here. So you're in town primarily to train uh, David Morrell, co-train him with Ronnie Shields, and he had a, a late opponent switch. What effect did that have in camp with the, the first opponent falling out and I believe switching from an orthodox fighter to a southpaw opponent, is that right? Yeah, definitely. Anytime that you're going to go from an orthodox fighter to, to a southpaw, I mean, obviously there's going to be a lot more uh, difficulties. It's always a challenge to prepare for two months for a southpaw as opposed to, you know, a couple days. But, uh, you know, all's uh, fair in love and war. The, uh, the other guy also has to, appear, uh, you know, prepare for David, who's a southpaw too. So... I think it, all things being equal, we have confidence in uh, his ability to, to beat anybody out there, and, and we feel he'll put on a dominant performance regardless because of the amateur pedigree, his experience with so many different fighters, and uh, we're expecting a dominant performance. Particularly in the wake you know, of, of David Benavides really making a very big statement against Caleb Plan, um, is this a real opportunity here for David to really, with an impressive performance, say, I'm the guy. I'm the guy that Benavidez needs to face next. Don't worry about Canelo. I should be next in line. So does he need to go out there, in your mind, and do a, make a really impressive performance? Yeah, no doubt like? about it. I, th I thought his last performance was super impressive. We were talking about a guy that you know, was a lead sparring partner for Canelo, um, you know, was undefeated, had a, a tremendous amateur pedigree, and you know, we all seen the type of performance that uh, David put on against him. So... We're expecting another performance just like that, and I think that's going to leave no doubt in anybody's mind why he deserves the Benavides fight. And that said, that's the reason that we fought 
that guy from Kakistan, how tough he was. We wanted the toughest possible opponent to say, hey, you know, oh, this guy's only got seven fights, pump the brakes, he's not ready. Okay, well, who's the toughest possible guy we could find that's not a big name, that's the toughest guy out there? And we've seen the dominant performance, and, and moving forward, it'll be the same. One thing I noticed during the press conference was uh, David insisting on, there was translation uh, given to him, but he insisted on giving all his answers in English. Uh, does he talk much English during the camp? Is he working on his English a lot? And how much is that about like trying to market himself more? Um, you know, I think it's a combination of two things. One, obviously, being around a lot of people that speak English here in the United States of America. He feels comfortable being around that. You know, he's around a, a lot of the youth, the younger generation, you know what I mean, and, and so and so forth. But definitely, he's also cognizant of the fact that, hey, if you want to market yourself, you want to have a fan base, these are the things that is necessary to take it to the next level. And I think that shows what type of person he is, that he takes his career seriously to get out there to the public to, to show on, you know, what he can do not just inside the ring, what he can do outside the ring, and, and so definitely it's a it's a two way street of what he's doing there. Okay. Yeah, he's a very charismatic guy, isn't he? Like he looks he looks happy and relaxed up there on stage. There's a lot of smiling. Like like as well as being a very exciting, attractive fighter, he's got that side to him, doesn't he? Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, he's a great looking kid to say the least. Um, he's got he's got charisma from you know from here to Mars. Um, and he's just a great person to be around. He's, he's, he's always upbeat. You know, very rarely do you see him down. Maybe, maybe a little bit as you're getting closer to making weight, right? <laughs> I go, that's probably the, you know, the truth with everybody. But uh, outside of that, he's a pretty much happy-go-lucky guy. And, and he and Yamaguchi Falcao seem to get along. Uh, real, there, there was a lot of joking around, laughing, and smiling up there on the stage. Yeah, he, you know, he's not. He, one thing about David is not one, one of these guys that takes things too personal, mm. right? So he's a competitor. Make no mistake about that. And he and he's come, when it's time to get in that ring. He he's coming to rip heads. There's no two ways about that. But outside of the ring, um, if you look at his last fight, unfortunately the situation uh, uh, with that kid, you know, going into a coma. Um, if you notice, right after the fight, he was the first one that grabbed him, picked mm -hmm. him up, yeah. walked him back to his corner because yeah, the fight's is. over, right? So yeah. you've seen the brutality, the savagery, yeah. um, the, the, the technique that he has inside the ring, the competitiveness. But as soon as that bell rang, you've seen the human side of him, you know, uh, compassion to go over there, you know, where some of these guys are knocking guys out and they're grave digging them and they're doing this and that. He, he has no signs of that. So he, he understands what it is inside the ring and what it is outside the ring. Yeah, it felt like he was the first person to really react and, and, and want to help, help the guy definitely, out. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And he was very, very concerned. He came to us. He goes, hey, I didn't like what I seen in his eyes. And, and it actually scared him. And, mm, yeah. and you know, and, and, and it shook the kid for, mm. you know, two, three days. He was very, very down. So we talk about him being happy-go-lucky. But uh, when that happened, I can tell you he was very, very concerned. And, uh you know, we had conversations like, boy, God willing, you know, first and foremost for that guy's family, that he's okay. And for David himself, too, because uh, it, it shook him. And had that guy not came out of that, mm -hmm. and who knows what could have happened. You just never know what's going to happen to a guy's psyche and to his career exactly. and what would have happened with him moving forward. Yeah. We should ask you about the main event. Obviously, you're going to be focused on the co-main. Um, are you planning to be able to to take in the main event once your fight is over and definitely definitely okay. I, I mean we're all salivating for that as boxing okay. fans right so I, I definitely can't wait wait to see that I think it's going to be a tremendous fight um, 
I'm expecting, you know, uh, Tank to win. Maybe I'll, I'm, I might even go out on a limb. You, you don't want to make uh, uh, too solid of predictions. Oh, Santos was wrong. I had your, box, your trainer of the year, and you didn't get it exactly perfect, but I guess I'll go out on a limb, and I, I expect uh, Tank to win, and I also expect him to stop him at some point. Yeah. Okay. But it's going to be a tremendous fight, and that said, taking nothing away from Garcia, would I, now would I be shocked? And I don't think any would be anybody would be because we know the sport we're in. You got two hands. Anybody could kick out with a punch, and he has fast hands. Garcia, he's a dynamic puncher. He's got a great left hook. So would I be shocked? Like oh, you know, he he knocked him out and he won. No. Um, that said, though, I think Javante Davis, and I think by late stoppage, mm. somewhere into the middle rounds or late stoppage. But I'm expecting like a great fight for fans, for the sport, and, and I'm happy for that. What's the big difference? Do you think Javante's just fundamentally a better fighter than Ryan? What do you feel? You know, I, I, think it, I think it's a combination of two things here. I, I, I think a lot of people don't realize when you go into your first big-time prize fight, I don't care what anybody says. It's, oh, man, I've been on the stage. I won a world title. No, you haven't been on the stage. Mm -hmm. And so it's human nature to be to, to a little tighter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and, and as calm and as cool as these guys are, I'm not going to say names, but I've been in the sport for a long time. Some of the biggest names you can imagine, I've had personal conversations with them inside and outside the gym. You know, they're saying this, they're saying that. But the truth be told, till they get in that first, first big, big fight, even, even Mayweather would tell you the first big major fight, you're a little tighter. And then as the fight goes on, people don't realize, though, too, it's human nature. What's going through the mind? Here we are in the ninth round. Man, I'm winning this fight. I got three rounds to go, and my life's going to change forever, and I beat these guys. If you think these types of thoughts are not creeping in these guys' mind, I know because I've been in the corner. you got to refocus them, and you can see, hey, we're wondering here, bud. We're wondering here. you got to bite down. you got to focus in. Now, the guy that's been there so many times before, he doesn't have that. He's been there. And as much as Ryan could say, hey, I've been on the, you haven't been on the big stage. This is the first time you've been on the big stage. Not saying you might not pass the test, right. but you're going to be a little tighter. You're going to yeah. be a little tenser. Mm. And I think those, those things play a role. But Ryan, of course, has a great voice in his corner, a guy you go way back oh. with, Joe Goosen. What changes have you seen from with Ryan Garcia pre-Joe to these last two fights with Joe? Do you, do you feel like he's made significant strides? Well, I'll tell you this. You know, I, I spent a lot of time with Joe Goosen. There's no better coach in boxing than in inside fighting than Joe Goosen. He is an absolute master. You look at Corrales. You know, you, you, you take Joe Goosen, you think about this. You know, when they say the trainer doesn't make a difference, Joe Goosen had Joel Casamayor. I was with him in that camp. Beat Chico Corrales. Then he gets Chico Corrales. And beats Casamore in the next fight. Mm -hmm. Trainer might make a little bit of a difference. <laughs> yeah. Now, right. don't get me wrong. It's always great to ride a thoroughbred or drive a Lamborghini. Right. <laughs> right? But all things being equal, that trainer's going to make a difference. And, and I expect with Joe, there'll be some tricks in the trade. That's why I, I'm not counting Ryan out by any stretch of the imagination. Like I said, I'm not going to be shocked at all if he wins because Joe's a master strategist. I'm expecting Ryan to be very physical, and I think people are going to be surprised mm. by that. Now, if he can stand up to Gervonta's power in that regard, mm. wow. Now we're talking about just a barn burner all the way through the stretch. Right. It's one of the other things with, with having Joe there, and we've been talking about it quite a bit, is I think you know, you're talking about how Ryan hasn't quite been on these biggest stages. Joe has. And 
Oh, is there something to be said that you go back to the corner and Joe's going to be a very calming presence for him, like a almost like a paternal presence, I imagine, in the corner. And I think you're probably very much the same in the corner as well. Like he's not going to overload him with stuff. He's not going to panic him. He's just going to keep him calm, you know, keep him focused. And it's that almost even more than the X's and O's kind of what somebody like Joe Goosen brings to a fighter like that. Well, um, no doubt about it. One thing about Joe, he's been there so many times, right? Um, and, and, and I've worked corners with him, so he's super, you know, controlled, measured in, in the way he handles things. You look at the case of, you, I'll never forget that Corrales-Castillo fight, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, unbelievable. To me, it's a top five yeah. fight of all time. You know, that's just me and my opinion. Um, you look at when, that, when the fire was going, boy. And every, that's why I say about you know, coaches and corner guys and this and that. Oh, I'm a great corner guy. You got Manny Pacquiao. And you're, okay, that's fantastic. When all things are equal, and I'm not taking nothing away from Freddie Roach. He's a great one, too. And I'm just bringing it as an analogy with a Manny Pacquiao or, or Floyd Mayweather or whatever. All things being equal, when that fight hit the fire like that, how calm, collective yeah. Joe was. And he says, I'll never forget it. He came to hey, the guy's almost knocked out. It's completely <laughs> yeah. almost over. And he says, hey, got to get inside on him now. No, Let's no, go. That's not exactly what yeah, he said. <laughs> you left the word out, Bob. <laughs> it's funny. That, so we recently did a, a countdown on the show of the all-time top five trainer in-fight moments. And we had, as uh, we both agreed, number one all-time was, I'll say the word you weren't willing to say, Joe saying, you got to fucking get inside him now. Yeah. That was our number one, and we put Angelo Dundee saying, oh, you're blowing you're it, blowing son, at number it, two. Yeah. Yeah. Do, yeah. do we have those ranked right, or is you're blowing you know it, what? son, you number know what? one? I, no, you know what? You can go either way with yeah. that. And, and I and I don't think you'd be wrong. You're right. You could go either way with that, and, and I I don't think anybody should complain about that. <laughs> is it? Do you have any other like just as a trainer who is a fan of other trainers? Is there another moment that springs to mind as like just a, a classic trainer in fight moment that you love besides those two? Well, you know, I, you, you know, uh, I worked with uh, Emmanuel Stewart with uh, Jose Salaya, and and I'll never forget the time when he told Lennox Lewis like, hey, you know, it, yeah, so. With Mike Tyson, right? Yeah. And, he, and, he was beating uh, Lennox up in the yeah, corner. Yeah, kind of, wasn't he? yeah. More oh, than yeah. Mike was, I think. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, this has been fantastic, Bob. Uh, thanks so much for stopping by. Uh, great to do this in person. Not sure if the next time will be Zoom or in person, but I'm sure there will be a next time, and I look forward to it. Uh, we both look forward to it. Good luck with David Morrell on Saturday night. Thank you, and God bless you guys. Thank you. All right. Well, it is our very great pleasure now to welcome middleweight champion, Mr. Jamal Charlo. Welcome to the Showtime Boxing Podcast, man. How you doing? Thank you for having me. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. What's up? (laughs) Thank you for joining us. Uh, We will, of course, be getting all your thoughts on on Tank Davis and Ryan Garcia and the big fight this weekend, but let's start with you. Uh, I've seen your name on the schedule, but without an opponent yet, hopefully fighting on Showtime soon. What can you tell us? Yeah, uh, I'll be back, returning to the ring soon. Uh, Um... Stronger, happier, smarter. Okay. You know, uh, I'm ready, man. I took some time off to get better. I'm back. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm in shape. I'm already training. I'm already there. Just uh, about to tap into, like, uh, official full camp and uh, got a couple more weeks in a month or whatever. How, how, how tough has it been just not fighting for, like, two years? Is it wearing on you? Yeah, I'm hungry for it now. Just stay active, actively coming to events like this. And uh, everything Showtime um, has done just to keep me occupied in the midst of uh, me being off with. Uh, I stayed in camp. I stayed training. I stayed uh, positive. And uh, I'll be back. 
Yeah. Uh, you don't have to talk about it if you don't want to, but were there injury issues? Were you having to work on yourself a little bit? You just yeah, needed to step um, away? Or? I had, you know, uh, some troubles happening, um, obstacles happening. Um, then didn't get injured before the next fight. Just a lot. And then it just took toll on me, you know. Uh, like, you know, that it messed up my money. It messed up my uh, me feeding my kids and taking care of the things I need to. So I was upset about it, too. So, you know, what I had to do is just rebuild and keep going. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you, you talked about being around events like this. If anything makes you hungry to get back in the ring, it's got to be feeling the buzz nah, at a nah, big event sure. like this, man, sure. right? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I had times where I fought on the um, lights like this and on that type of stage, so I know how I feel. Will, will there be extra sparring in, in this training camp? Because, like, I remember I talked to uh, Sugar Ray Leonard about the Marvin Hagler fight and coming back from a long layoff that he had in the gym unofficial full fights because he'd been off so long. Is there is there more of a need to do something like that to be ready after a long layoff? Well, that's how my uh, fights, I mean, my tr- my sparring matches are now. It's like full fights. I okay. have like maybe five or six like real fights that, you know, like, and then especially get fighters that like want to fight me, you know? Right. Excuse me, like a Jared Hurd, you know, he, he's a softball, but at the same time come forward, he want to actually fight me outside the ring, but not in a position <laughs> to. So it's like those are like those full fights that I, that I mentioned and uh, other Showtime fighters that we can ring on and that, you know, want to fight. We down to fight with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, All right, so, so let, let, who are some of the guys that you really want to fight? Who's, whether, first of all, I guess, do you do you have potential opponent lined up for this next fight yet? Um, no, and uh, I wouldn't want to mention anyone because I don't want to get the hopes up of, of my fans and people. But, uh, okay. yeah, I mean... It, we guys like to like the Andrade's and the, um, Benavidez wanted to fight me. Uh, there's a belt in my division. We can go unify uh, the uh, Jana Chink guy that's uh, mm-hmm. from right. over there. Right. Um, Hami Mugin is in my weight division. That'll be an awesome uh, explosive fight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm down for all these fights. Uh, you know, I'm bigger and better now. I'm better. And, and it sounds like you're good with either 160 or 168, whichever I'm presents the best opportunity. I'm fluctuating between the middle of them. We're just going to probably make a weight division called Charlo division. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what it's like 164 yeah, is Charlo weight. Listen, we have a fight to, uh, on Saturday that's 136 pounds. So anything's right. possible. Yeah, Anything yeah, is possible. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 136 is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and your brother, how's he doing? How's his hand doing? Is he... My brother's doing great. He's back punching. He's back training. Um, him and Coach Derek, they're working. Everything is going good for them. All right, so let's talk about Saturday's big fight that mm-hmm. brought everyone into town. How do you see this matchup uh, breaking down? Do you see a clear favorite in this fight, or do you see this as a fight where you kind of flip feel, a coin sort of thing? I feel like Tank is the more experienced at this level, a uh, stronger fighter. He's definitely the stronger fighter. Uh He's actually kind of more mass, massive and bigger than Ryan naturally. Mm. Ryan just has a little height on him. It's not that much of a height difference if you look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if uh, Garcia can establish his jab and actually use his speed and keep Davis off in the beginning, he could change the magnitude of the fight later on depending on how who's in the best shape. Right. Uh, I know that Ron, I know that Javante starts off kind of slow, and then and during the slow moments that he does start off, he misses a lot of punches like wildly, and then once he calms down, he's sharp. And Ryan, on the other hand, starts off kind of fast, gets shocked, and then and then gets back up, and he's one of those types. So 
it's gonna be one of those fights that's like let the best men whoever's in the best shape let the best men win i'm not picking no one okay uh-huh. <laughs> it's, you know i talk about this a lot with, with folks you know when when people talk about tank they talk a lot about his power and and that but i wonder if one of the things that is always underestimated is his ring iq he's a really really smart fighter isn't he you right. see him kind of working out his opponent talk about his, his slowest starts but he works guys out and uh, and then kind of lures them into traps doesn't he he uses his 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 feet well yes mm-hmm. and, you know and that's kind of rare from that south point uh mm-hmm. stance but he does it well he, and he's real technical mm-hmm. i like how his trainer and them uh put it together you know um tank does, tank does good off the ropes mm-hmm. and he he does good bringing pressure I haven't seen him get in any kind of trouble yeah. on top of that. You can say anything you want about opponents. I think Tank had decent opponents, and I like the um, opponents Ryan had also. But I feel like Tank edges this fight. But if something happens in this fight, it's going to be freakish, and it's going to be by Ryan. Because hmm. if Tank knocks him out, we're going to say we told you so. Right. And then if Ryan knocks him out, the world's not going to understand what he did to do it. We're going to have to dissect it. Mm. Is it. Is it most likely the left hook if Garcia does get it done? I feel like it, since the fact that uh, he keeps talking about the left hook so much, he's going to get Ryan to not want to really throw the left hook. Mm. So I feel like something else could happen. I feel like Ryan, Ryan actually, if he shoot his right hand across mm-hmm. the way he does his jab, uh, Davis is in for trouble. Mm-hmm. And and Ryan also has that long you know, left to the body. You know what? You know what else? Yeah. Pay attention to uh, Southpaw in the Orthodox competition lately. There's been a lot of headbutts. There's been a lot of banging. I don't think Tank could be close enough to go to Ryan's body for a while in a fight. It'll probably take him about six rounds to get close enough to go to the body. Okay. I feel like uh, 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 Tank... Uh, back won't really be on the ropes at all but he still won't be able to catch up to the the weary ryan uh ryan but we don't know what's gonna happen so i'm i'm looking for like speed to kind of like outdo the power but power be enough to finish the job right mm-hmm. and and they're both remain dangerous until until the end of the fight yeah right? because that southpaw stance i mean it's it's gonna probably be a head but Mm. It's going to be some banging and some clashing and some grabbing and some holding. And it's going to be that type of fight. Mm. It's not going to be a dull fight, whatever happens. Is it? <laughs> it's not going to be a phone booth fight, okay. but it was going to be a, a big fight. It's going to be a lot of big shots thrown in that fight. Mm. Right. Mm. All right. Well, we're looking forward to the big yeah. one Saturday, and then, of course, we're looking forward to seeing you back in the ring as soon as possible. Jamal, thanks so much for stopping by Thank the you. podcast. Thank you. All right, so that was our first Fight Week podcast uh, here from the media room at the MGM Grand. That was a great, great bunch of guests. Uh, we are going to bring you two podcasts uh, on Friday. Uh, we will have uh, a post-weigh-in pod where we'll be talking to more guests, getting some analysis maybe from media members. But we're going to start off with a special uh, podcast uh, that's focusing solely on Joe Goosen, who is the trainer of Ryan Garcia. We just sat down with him. He gave us such a great interview. We didn't want to waste it. He's going to get his own pod, and then we'll have the other one later on. And then we will finish off with the post-fight podcast on a Saturday night. All your Davis Garcia needs are going to be met right here on Showtime Boxing with Raskin and Mulvaney. Keep on listening. 
Thanks very much for listening. Be safe, be kind, and be well.